So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What's going on, guys? Doc Danny here with the Active Atlanta podcast, and I've got my buddy Ben Davis on today from Noble Clay. I'm extremely excited to have an uh, opportunity to chat with, with him. I think he has one of the, the more interesting gym models out there, not just from a standpoint of you know, hit, helping you hit your health and wellness goals, but also from a, a support of, of the local community standpoint and doing something that I, I, did, I don't know if it exists from, from what I've seen. So it'd be cool to, to dig into it with his gym that's also a nonprofit. And, and uh, first of all, Ben, I, I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot going on with the gym and family. I just saw your, your two and a half year old going out for a walk. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was an honor. Well, let's, let's start with this because I think that I mean, I know your backstory a little bit. I think it's interesting, um, but I'd, I'd love for you to be able to share some of your origin story with people that listen to this podcast so they get a better idea of where, what led you to what you're kind of doing now, and then we can dig into that a little bit as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was, um, I was starting kind of just growing up, you know, um, very involved in athletics, played soccer and wrestled at a fairly high level, um, and soccer was at the ODP level, and then um, uh, for the state of Georgia and then wrestled, uh, with one of the top schools, uh, with Collinsville, um, and just had a, had a, uh, didn't know really what I was going to do in life for, from about 18 to 25 years old and, uh, ran back into a buddy of mine, Kyle Maynard, who, um, uh, wrestled with me in high school. And, and I was, um, I was a, a PT, uh, personal trainer at Lifetime Fitness at the time. I was a boot camp coordinator and, and, uh, learning under a guy named John Hanrahan who was a three-time uh, All-American from Penn State wrestler. And uh, we gathered up with Kyle and uh, helped him train it for a fight um, that was he was going through. Uh, he ended up making a documentary for it called The Fighting Chance. It's out on Netflix. Well, so for people and, who don't uh, know who Kyle is, ex- explain yeah. why that's impressive. Yeah, sure. So, so Kyle um, was born with a condition called congenital amputation. So he has no arms, no legs. And um, just a unique story of a guy that didn't, you know, was, was raised without excuses. You know, he, he was taught, he was made to do stuff and figure things out and, uh, primarily from his parents, um, guidance and, and then, uh, you know, became a champion wrestler, uh, played football in seventh grade, ended up wanting to wrestle in high school, lost his first like 36 matches in a row, never gave up, ended up winning his first match, which catapulted him to, um, you know, multiple wins after that ended up his senior year placing I think top 11 in the nation uh in his weight class against able-bodied kids so he's you know wrestling against able-bodied people uh, and then he wrote a book called no excuses um of just about his journey in life and uh and he and I got together 
2008, uh, 2008 in the summer of 2008 to start training. And then we, we found uh, CrossFit and reached out to Greg Glassman and said, Hey, do you think Kyle can do this? Greg got excited said, yeah, absolutely. Love to meet him. Flew us, you know, told us to come out to uh, Tony Blower's spot out in uh, Virginia beach. And we got certified um, all, you know, on Greg's, you know, generosity. Uh, bringing Kyle and I out there to get level one and that kind of started my my fitness career in terms of what it is today um, right there in 2008 we opened up no excuses CrossFit in December of 2008 uh, we were certified in CrossFit in August of 2008 so within four months we had the gym open and, and operating um, so yeah. the CrossFit and what you're doing now I, I think it's really important to kind of highlight um, the difference in training methods, because I think for a lot of people, they hear CrossFit and they're like, oh, it's a CrossFit guy. And then yeah. in, instantly they, they lump you into a bucket of just like high intensity training, group format. But what you guys are doing now, and, and I'd love to hear sort of your evolution of, of having run CrossFit gyms to the approach that you take now. How would you say that your health wellness kind of training approach differs now from back when you started doing CrossFit with Kyle? Yeah, so it's a good question. I, you know, one, we're much more individualized than we um, give credit to. Like, we're, we're, such, we're such unique human beings, each and every one. If you look at the Definitely. genome, you look at the fingerprint, right? You, you see the uniqueness in us and the individuality uh, in us, yet we are made for community and healthy relationship, et cetera. Um, which is one of the reasons CrossFit became so popular. Yeah. Uh, it was the community aspect of it. I, I, I disagree. I would not agree that it was the methodology. Um, and uh, something really, I'll share this, and, and something very impactful happened to me in, in 2008. Um, right a month before I opened up the gym with Kyle, um, a lot of people don't know this, uh, it's part of my story, but I was actually on a bridge ready to commit suicide um, oh, in November of 2008 in, in Dahlonega, Georgia. I was out half drunk with some old friends of mine and, and just, I just was in a bad place um, and just didn't see any reason to live, any meaning of life. And, and, uh, and that night I had a heart change and a mind change about what life was all about. About three years prior to that moment, someone shared um, faith in Christianity with, and, and the reality of Jesus Christ. Um, about his life, his death, his resurrection 2,000 years ago. And I, and I started thinking, well, who's this Jesus? And I've got to see who he is. And so I, I started investigating. At that time, I was more of like evolutionary biology. I you know, believed in a lot of the uh, natural selection. And I still do. To, uh, you know, I believe that just God has created all of that. Um, but that change radically transformed my life when – I stepped down from the bridge and I just said, you know, God, I don't know how to follow you. I don't know who you are, but if you, if you will help me, I'll follow you. Um, and that moment when I decided not to be my own God, not to try to control my own life, but just giving my life to Christ, my life radically changed. Wow. And I tell you that story because that, this, that brings us to where I am today. Through those five years of CrossFit, um, I had a buddy of mine, Blake Schubert, come to me and say, you know, Ben, I'm doing some work in Uganda can we use your gym, do an event and raise money to, to build a school over there? And I said, yeah, let's do it. And I started getting into the church. I started learning about, you know, 
God's desire to care for the poor, for the, for the least of these, and, and do things that would care for other people. And I started seeing the injustices in the world um, uh, more openly than I'd had before. And I had this just greater desire to do something about it, especially in the realm of fitness, because that was just what a passion of mine was and something I had done my whole life. And, um, and through those five years, I wrestled with, well, what would that look like as a ministry? And so in 2012, I started Radical Fitness Ministries Incorporated with the state and, um, and didn't really know what to do with it. And I wrestled with the idea and I went to Kyle and I said, Hey Kyle, let's try, let's do something like with no, no excuses. And he and I kind of are both visionaries and we just butted heads. Well, it was his brand and I had to respect his brand and, and he had to, you know, he respected my vision too. And so we cordially split, split ways that brought me into Atlanta and I came on board with a franchise called iron tribe uh, and helped to build up the on Ponce location. And then we, we're fortunate enough to um, partner with corporate and do a second location over on the West side. And through those years, I just came into Atlanta. My wife and I lived here, you know, two years and I started seeing the inner city injustices happening. People not having access to even food, uh, much less fitness and coaching and what we were providing at iron job at, you know, $250 a month. I just knew that there are mm-hmm. people that no, couldn't even touch that. And it, uh, it, it, frankly, it made me angry. And it still does. Like I'm, I'm angry about that reality. And, but that anger, uh, now with my relationship with God, I take it to him and he gives me more passion to do something about it versus what happened prior to me knowing him, which was I'd get depressed. Um, and so now I take that anger and I, it, it just builds more passion. And in 2017, I left Iron Tribe to start what is now Noble Clay. And even in 2017, I, I kind of found myself wrestling with, well, how do we get this model to work? We had so many ideas of, you know, well, we're going to get pastors healthy and we're going to do all these different things. And I wrestled with it on the board and it's crumbling up paper and throwing the trash can just back and forth. And my wife said, you know, we, we even we did some workshops at some churches and tried to teach health. And I just realized I wasn't good at executing workshops. It's just not something I needed. She's like, Ben, you need to open up a gym, gym and love on people. And so we went back to the drawing board and go, how do we make that happen for these population of people? And that's where Noble Clay was birthed, um, was from my wife going, Ben, you need to stick to this. This is what God's called you to do. And uh, we realized through some, uh, some mentors and counsel that, you know, we could structure this as a nonprofit. And we looked at, I looked at the YMCA, I looked at other models how can we make this work? And so what we came up with is what I would like to say is, you know, is the, is the YMCA of functional fitness of personalized functional coaching. Um, so that's kind of a backstory. I wanted to kind of give you that as a, as a, how did, how did I get to Noble Clay? And to, then, to answer the question, like what's this model compared to group where we are now, it's an individual design model. Um, you know, one James Fitzgerald has been a mentor of mine and, and has been a, um, um, a big influencer in my decision to want to do an individual design gym, a personalized functional fitness gym. Um, and so I knew that that model was the model was, I asked the question, like if I could give the very best to the people that couldn't, that are in the, and vulnerable in our community, what would that look like? Like the very best, um, you know, the gospel of Jesus says that God in his divine divinity came into earth 
in the person of Jesus Christ, gave up his throne, died on a cross for his enemies who are sinners, and was resurrected so that humanity could have life everlasting and hope. So essentially, he gave the very best of himself, gave it all up for, for us. So I asked, the, I asked the question, well, what would, us, what would that look like? How could we do that for people that most, some people wouldn't think deserve it? And, um, and that's where I clinged to this individual design model. I felt like, because I knew that the coaching element is able to be executed most effectively, I believe. Because you can, you can get into the model and you can start to really assess an individual on an individual basis, program design them something that's tailored to what their, their needs are because they have different background, different history, different ailments, different biology, you know, chemistry, things going on, different habits formed, et cetera. I mean, you know, the variables, they're vast. Yeah. So how do we, how do we assess all of that and then pro- program the best program for that individual? and then be able to reassess them and continue to refine that process until they reach a state of vitality. And the individual design model is the only model I've found that can actually do that with efficacy and effectiveness long-term. And uh, that's why we chose the individual design model. Um, And so, yeah, from the economics of it, you know, we just said, okay, well, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have it structured as a nonprofit, have donors come on board to help support, those memberships that we need to subsidize. And so we have it structured in three ways of full membership, discount membership, and then a, a local membership, which is for members that make under $40,000 a year. Yeah. Well, so, I think for you, yeah. what you guys are doing, this is, it's fitness, right? It's health and wellness. Yeah. But what, what are some of the, I, that, that's what people see from the outside. But when somebody starts to make that, we call it like a, a cornerstone habit or a keystone habit of, I am improving the way I feel. I'm improving the way I look. I'm doing something challenging and I'm starting to improve the way that I view what I'm capable of. Like I, I totally get why that could be such a powerful thing for people that are in kind of lower socioeconomic status and, and for them to be able to transfer that into other things that they're, they're doing. So what have you seen with uh, you know, people that you bring in that maybe are hesitant that maybe never trained before definitely couldn't afford like a, a full membership um, in terms of not just not, not necessarily just the, the physical side, but like what have you seen with them in terms of uh, the, the other things that they get from it? Yeah, man. So this is the most exciting part about what we're doing and seeing happening is that the, the, the vulnerable, vulnerable of our society that we're able to bring in people that a lot of people that just don't have a good social community, social circle, people that can bring, uh, a positive impact into their life. Um, many of these folks have never had a coach. They've never, um, you know, had someone guide them through going from anything from point A to point B other than, you know, teachers and, you know, et cetera, from public school system. Um, but that's about the, 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 you know, the most that they've had. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch these people come into a community where, like we literally have CEOs and doctors and lawyers and you know, there's even millionaires in our gym training next to people that, you know, last year made under 10 K, you know, it's fascinating. Wow. And, and every racial 
I mean, you come to our gym, it's like there are every race known that you could imagine in Atlanta is pretty much in there. Everything from Africans to African-Americans to Indians to, you know, white people to it's just and then age difference, too, is, is there. And it's such it's a very beautiful representation of um, how diversity can can work with in, in unison. And then that the value of that community have an impact on each individual in the community is profound. And I don't know if you, did you see that research that they just released from Harvard about the 80 year study they did? No. Check it out. They just released it in 2019, but it was done. They started in 1939. So it was an 80 year longitudinal study. They followed, I don't know how many people, but they tracked them for these 80 years. And they came to the conclusion that the, the number one variable to good quality health and happiness in their life. Can you guess what it is? Is it community? It's healthy relationships. Yeah. Healthy ones. Yeah. Right. Healthy relationships. That was it. That was the, that was their conclusion from the study. Crazy. Well, huge. I mean, I, it make it makes sense, but like, you know, you, you think, Oh, okay. Well, activity level, food intake, like sleep, all these other things. But, um, you know, your, your sense of being a part of something like we're so community driven. We're just a hardwired that way. Right. To not yeah. to be isolated, not to be, um, alone. And I think the thing with training, and I think this is where CrossFit really hit the mark on this. So you talked about as well, like yeah. you can make a strong statement that like just doing burpees and, you know, a high volume Olympic lifting, uh, it, it coupled together, maybe not be the best way to truly train like a well-rounded individual. And there's a high margin of potential error there that could lead to injuries. Uh, it depends on where you go. Can, some are better than others. Um, yeah. but the community element, the, uh, people being at the gym for two hours, right? Like you, you found it through, through, you know, your religion, through, through people that you're around in organized fashion to some mm-hmm. degree for other people, yeah. that third place might be, um, it, it might be the gym and it's a hell of a lot more healthy place than the bar, you know? Yeah. And I think that the community element of misery loves company. And I learned this in the army. It was like, you, you bond with people really, really quickly when you do hard things together. Yeah. And, and I think that that is like such a powerful aspect of a gym and, and you as somebody that can help somebody realize that they can do these physically difficult things and they develop friendships along the way and they have something to share with. It's like wrestling, right? You probably got super close with your friends that you wrestled with totally. because you guys are like doing grueling practices and yeah. legitimately cutting weight. Combatives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I've always said that in my coaching is um, when I, when I used to train some Marshawk Marines and I heard this from them, they said, you know, we say once a Marine, always a Marine because you can only bleed or sweat next to somebody for so long before you grow an intimate bond with that individual. Definitely. And this one Marine said, I've done that with somebody I never, never even spoke a word with, but I, uh, but I will get that guy's back till, till death. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> I mean, crazy. even, dude, even uh, people that I was assigned with, you know, I, I was thinking about somebody today. It was the first medic that I was ever assigned to 18 years old, like straight out of medic school. Uh, she got assigned to me because nobody knew what I did. And she was like the lowest person on the totem pole. And I, I didn't have a physical therapy assistant. So they're like, all right, we'll take this medic. She doesn't know shit. Right. So, yeah. so I get a chance to train her for like six months and her and I end up becoming really close, like a little sister, you know, and, and I still, to, to this day, I still keep up with where she's at, what she's doing. And like, you know, we were, we were assigned to, uh, she was assigned to me for, uh, 15 months. That's it. 15, 15 months. But in 15 months, that's sort of like 
challenging stuff that you go through, the, the training, the, the closeness to develop. And it's also like you're training with people that you might end up going into a very harmful, you know, environment with. So um, yeah. I, I think you can learn a lot from that, but I do think that the gym environment creates a super healthy third place for, for people where they do get that aside from home and work where they get to have that, you know, mental break, the, the physical side they're getting that and, and the community uh, element, I think makes so much sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's why I think like, it's like CrossFit was decent, but it, it meant the group, the group model to me uh, is just, um, I think it's okay for some people, but when it comes to actually truly developing health and vitality for a long term, it just is, I don't see how it can be done as effectively for every individual. Oh, it's totally. just, a, it's just impossible. You know, yeah. I can't do that with 20 people doing the same thing. It's just, it's literally impossible. And I found that over the, you know, I was in group what, for 10 years, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've got sick of hitting my head on a wall, figuring, trying to figure out how do right. I, you know, how do I do this in the group model? It's just, it just, it wasn't, it's, it's not supposed to be, you know? Well, I think so. that there's two, I think there's only two things that I've, or approaches that I've found that actually work for people long-term that they get, you know, uh, an actual result they're looking for with mitigation of risk of injury. One is the individualized uh, approach. Um, with that, though, requires high skill level with programming as well as high skill level with coaching different people when they're coming through your door, right? The yeah. other one is if you can keep groups really small and you can individualize on spot, like with essentially training patterns that everybody needs to be doing, but be able to say, hey, John, I know your shoulder's a little dinged up. Here's what you're going to do. But you really can right. want to do that with maybe four people at a time. Yeah. Right? So like, yeah. yeah, this very small number of people. So outside from that, if, if you're training 20 people at once, and, and, and if that's what you're looking for, you got to know that's okay, but you're getting a cheerleader more than a coach because they physically cannot handle that number of people and truly coach people and change things. It's impossible in an hour to, to do that. So d right. describe the model that, that you guys have currently. So if somebody's thinking about Okay, I'm I'm in the Grant Park, Summerhill area. You know, somewhere in that in that area where your where your uh, location is. Um, what would this look like for somebody like that? Like, I'll say I show up at your your gym. Like, what what does that process look like? Yeah. So the first thing we do is a consultation. It's a free consultation. We sit down and we um, we go, we discover we start building the relationship. Again, it's coming down as this coach member relationship. We start to learn um, what what I like to tell people on the front end is we have a client centric approach, meaning we as coaches seek to become students of the individual, study them, observe them so much so that we can properly be kind of a guiding light for them in their life. Right. Yeah. And so the free consultation is the start of that process. So we'll, we have an initial questionnaire. Where we need to learn a lot about their past and what their goals are and, and what their why is. And when we sit down, you come into the gym and we do a gym tour and then we sit down in the office. We, I ask them, so we know, well, why are you here? Tell me what your goals are. You know, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, and then, you know, we use a framework where it's, okay, that's their aim. And this is why they are here. Once I discover that, then we, we go and we go, okay, well, where are you? What's the groundwork, right? Where are you now? And we need to discover that. And so I, I, I uh, like to, to ask people to walk me through their day, you know, sleep, um, what's, how, you know, what time they go to bed, they get up, what, what happens when they get up all throughout their day, what's going on? And, I, and what I'm doing there is looking for what we call BLGs, basic lifestyle guidelines, where it's like, how's their hydration? How's their sleep? How's their digestion? When are they eating? What are they eating? Um, you know, 
what are their daily rhythms? Are they getting out in the sun often? Are they staying inside? Are they sitting all day? All these kinds of things are being extracted in that very first consultation. Uh, and then they get to learn about us. Like what, what is noble clay? Who are we? What, you know, uh, what does the model look like? How much does it cost? Um, and, and it's all the way we have it structured is all unlimited training. If, you know, we call it unlimited, but it's based on the individual's fitness level. Yeah. Do, do some people need two times a week, three times a week, et cetera. Um, and then we bring them, if they say, yeah, this is great. And they want to join, they go into what we call onboarding. Our onboarding is our assessment process. And we'll go, we'll take them through uh, what James has coined at OPEX. He coined, it's called the BMW program where this body movement and work capacity assessments. And, um, and we, uh, sorry, so a call came in. Yeah. Um, and so we, um, through the body, we take people through an in-body, a medical grade body comp and do sort of circumference measurements and, um, and then uh, ask them to go get their blood work if they haven't done it from their doctor, put that on file. Uh, and then we start doing the six movement, primal movement patterns of double leg, single leg, hinge, core, push, pull. And, and then we go through an aerobic uh, work capacity assessment, a 10 minute airdyne bike, uh, for calories. How are people that have never done I, that? I always tell people, I'm like, take it easy on this thing. Cause you're going to get wind in your face. It's going to feel kind of nice for the first 20, 30 seconds, but it it'll sneak up on you. Cause that thing, yeah. thing is tough. Yeah. And you know, we, you know, the, uh, for, if I know that this individual, you know, I just, and, intuitive or uh, intuition will tell me okay is this individual and on their initial questionnaire i'll know somewhat at their training age have they trained in the last six months a year i know right away it's like hey look you know just stay within yourself here and i'll yeah. watch them make sure that they're not passing out i've seen people you know not listen to me and throw up afterwards on that right thing, you know it's, it can get you and then <laughs> uh, and it only gets worse the more fit you get yeah because the deeper you can get into into your system you know on that thing and then by the end of it you're done you know yeah it's a painful, it's a painful, uh, screen, a test, but it's a good test. And there's yeah. a lot of data on it. James has, I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of data points on that, on that bike. And so there's, there's some pretty good stuff for us to, to have a determination of where someone is in their fitness, at least aerobically. Yeah. Um, and there, and we can take that. I kind of gave you a kind of a level one. There's really level four levels of assessments that we can do with individuals based on their fitness level. Um, and then when they, you know, when they finish the onboarding, they are, they choose to become a member and uh, we set them up on a platform called true coach where we develop all of their programming for them through true coach. And, and, uh, and then every month they're going through a mini consultation with us uh, with, or with their coach. Uh, to ensure that they're on track. It's just check-ins. And then every week we're checking in too. Hey, how are we doing on this? Um, and we really focus in on three buckets, fitness, nutrition, and, and lifestyle. Um, and we take a habits-based approach to all three of those, uh, really trying to just focus on one thing at a time Yeah. Uh, within those three things. So for nutrition, it might be, you know, eat slowly. It'd be, you'd be surprised that eating slowly and stopping when you're 80% full what that does to the majority of the population or and digestion, man. I, I talked to somebody oh. today that one of my, one of my clients this morning said she probably hasn't spent more than 10 minutes eating a meal for breakfast or lunch in the last five years because it's all, you know, at, at work. And I'm like, what do you yeah, think? At a computer. I, yeah. I was like, 
what do you think is happening like to that that food? You're in a stressful state while you're trying to digest food as as well as it's unlikely you're actually chewing it enough. And it's so funny, like we take that for granted because people think, oh, I'm multitasking, I'm being productive. But yeah. what you're really doing is you're just deteriorating your, abil- your body's ability to digest the food that it, you're bringing in and then utilize the micronutrients to, to be healthy. Exactly. Yeah, it's not about what goes in your mouth. It's what actually gets absorbed and, right. and or digested and then absorbed. Yeah. You know, and so that, I think, yeah, I think that one habit there is really transformative uh, yeah. for people. I love, I love the, the habit side too, because I, I think that when people say like, oh, I'm going on a diet, that's a, that even the way they say it is very short term, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to be on this diet. I'm doing this 30 day challenge. It's like, okay, what happens after that? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and not only that, but are you truly changing the way that you live or are you just temporarily changing the way that you look? And yeah. For, for most people, what they want is to change the way that they live, to change the way they feel, the way that they look on a long-term basis. But also, I think the, the challenge for most people, and it sounds like for you guys, you address this as part of your programming, is an, a basic knowledge of owning their own health in order yeah. to make the right decisions, to pick the right foods out, to make the decision of when they should go to bed. And a lot of that slowly builds. But what's cool is that positive, reinfor- positive feedback loop of like, man, I feel better. Like, whoa, I have better emotional control with my kids first thing in the morning. It's like they start to realize that and those small changes snowball into these, these over a course of a year, these lifetime changes and, and habits that they've developed that, you know, they can then transfer onto their kids. Like you're, you're talking about the, the, the group of people that you're trying to help primarily that, that is like, you know, low income level. They think about what they see on a daily basis of what's like a, a healthy habit the access to food they have versus, you know, someone who's a higher income level or just knowledge base of what they should eat. Like I think of that as like generational health, not just, I think people think of generational wealth, but like, how about passing that down to your family and your kids? Like, then that's, oh, it's, big. it's huge. It's a huge, yeah. huge ripple effect. Yeah. And that's, that's what you've just said is the mission. You know, you've just, you've just kind of hinted towards like, what is the heartbeat behind noble clay and our vision? Um, you know, ultimately is to invigorate people to be at peace and do their good. Um, I believe that every human being has a meaning of purpose. And, um, and it's interesting that um, we all want to be happy. You hear it all over, the, you read it all over the place. Be happy, yeah. this, that, you know, everybody's about happiness. Happiness comes out of self-denial for the sake of others. So it's like the complete opposite of what we actually yeah. <laughs> go and do you know but but if we so with noble clay if we can if you know i'm trying to rally around affluent community members and other you know members to say you know what let's let's give ourselves to helping build up the vulnerable of our of our city um and, and it will like you said it will help them stop generational curses really you know um lack of education around health. I mean, health itself. I mean, it's, um, it, we really have a great opportunity. Uh, and I think the model is one that can work to provide that. Uh, I, I, I firmly believe we're the boots on the ground in the healthcare uh, system oh, to easily. prevent, to prevent the, the massive damage that's happening in the healthcare system right now. Well, it's tip of the spear, right? It's like yeah. for somebody to get to where, where we are, you know, they have to go through a lot of levels of other people and, and they, and they should, uh, your coach should be able to take a crack at solving a, a musculoskeletal problem first. Like yeah. that, that should be the person that does it because they have an ongoing in-person relationship. 
um, and, and cadence and they should know when that person doesn't look, they're moving right, or they're not feeling right, or like what's mm -hmm. going on, you know, and from there, mm -hmm. they get to be the gatekeeper of these other places. And I, I think that is the future of healthcare really starts with strength and conditioning, starts with coaches, um, knowledgeable coaches that they can help people make long-term changes in what they're doing to avoid some of these really nasty uh, and costly diseases that happen, you know, via sedentary lifestyle and poor decisions um, from a from a healthcare or from from a health and wellness standpoint. And, yeah. and and a coach has to respect that too. Like, if you're a coach and you want to call yourself a coach, you don't have you, you can't just be a dumbass and just you know tell people what you think is right because of what you learned when you were in high school from your strength coach that probably didn't know what he was doing either. He probably just liked to bench press. Like, right. if you want to be in that position, it's up to you. And like, I think OPEX does a great job with this of of actually positioning the coach in a way to be a, an incredibly important resource in the healthcare landscape. And I, I really look at it like that is like a first responder. It's like medics yes. in the military. Coaches are, are medics is of how it was you know, led to, to us. So I think where you guys are doing is yeah. spot on. And I think over the next 10 years, we're going to sort of see many, many more changes that lead to that sort of proactive approach versus reactive for a lot of different factors. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the end game goal is get these people to a place of autonomy, you know, uh, right. in regards to their healthcare, you know, uh, or their, you know, their health period, just their, um, living, living a healthy life, uh, yeah. for themselves. So, yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. So I come in, I do my assessment, I get my program, then what I just show up and get coached whenever I want or like, how, how does that work? Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, so after the program's developed and you can come in, you know, the program will tell you when you need to come in. Let's just say that it's a beginner, right? Uh, let's use that as an example. So this is somebody that has no, has no training age, or maybe they have some training age, meaning they've maybe trained for a couple months at a, at a yeah. group fitness gym or something. Um, for that individual, we'd probably do something of like a full body resistance, you know, uh, three times a week, uh, maybe one or two um, aerobic sessions. And those full body resistance pieces would act as, as uh, aerobic sessions as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that would be about it. You know, so they come in, they come in on the, on the, on the floor of the gym. And then we have coaches on the floor that are helping direct them. It may or may not be their own coach. Uh, they may be on the floor, but they may not. It might be another coach, but we, as a team, we have, a, we have four coaches right now. All of us communicate regularly on all members so that we know who's doing what, when, and why. Uh, and we check in and we look at each other's true coach. And we have a, an Excel sheet called our member care sheet where we're constantly reviewing weekly where people are, what they're, what they're, what they're needing so that we know when we go on the coaching floor, when that individual comes in the gym, we know what they need to be doing that day and can yeah. guide them well. Yeah. Yeah. I think access to that platform too. We're, we're uh, very familiar with true coach as well. We use yeah. it for, you know, we do, we do remote programming for people that are not, um, yeah, close to where we're at or or maybe they're coming off an injury and they're this more sports specific stuff or it's an athlete we've been working with that doesn't live here and the, the platform is awesome i think it's great the training age is the variable i think is the real um uh, limiting factor for somebody that's like uh, they've never trained before and then they see videos of what they're supposed to do but yet they have no idea if they're doing it right right so like yeah. this but even still for people that you're working with you may have people that maybe their their job requires that they they travel so they at least still have access to an intelligently put together program that they can say, okay, I'm in a hotel gym. I can still do something that's going to be specific to helping me out. I may not be able to go, you know, to Noble Clay, but having access to that, I think is huge. And, and to your point, getting to the point where they feel comfortable, uh, 
with movements, with knowing, oh, my left leg is weaker than my right leg, or man, my right shoulder is tighter than my left. I never noticed that before. And it's avoidance of other things. Like I saw a guy dislocated his shoulder a couple of weeks ago, diving into an indoor pool. And as we looked at his arms, like, dude, you have no movement on this one side, go figure. Like you, you dove in and then you just went past what you had and boom. And he had no idea, but it got exposed via something he thought was just harmless. Right? So right. what the gym does and what I think is so amazing about this is it highlights your weaknesses. And then at that yeah. point you get a d decision of you ignore, you hide or you change and you improve it. Yeah. Up to you, but they have to be able to follow something that's specific to them. So I think it's awesome. No, man. I think good. that the combination in, in person and digital is, is probably one of the most profound ways to really train people because people are yeah. busy too, right? So, yeah. Um, and I would say if people are, are struggling with, like if they are digital remote, like any of our remote uh, members is, um, if they're doing something that they are not, they don't know how to do by looking at the video, then it's the wrong exercise. Yeah. You know, we got, it's gotta be, I, I, I you know, James and I were, I was just down in Arizona with James and it's true, we were having this conversation of like, you don't really have to teach people you know, these are primal movement patterns. So if you're, pro if you're properly progressing them um, through solid resistance training and motor control activities, then they're going to learn these movements. They're going to have, through the programming, you can develop the skill, yeah. right, of moving well if it's programmed right. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, so it's like that's where it's like the, the art. That's where the art of all this stuff comes in is really being able to um, take somebody exactly where they are and give them the highest order of what they need in that, in that moment. And I don't, and that's why I think, you know, the value, that's what separates a coach and a trainer or a cheerleader or whatever is a coach can, I think a coach is one that not only can do what I just talked about there in the programming and has the competency, but they also have the care, um, and the compassion towards the individual to, to, to meet them where they are and understand them in the totality of their being, you know, that they're emotional, spiritual beings wrapped in this body, you know, that they have emotions. Yeah. Like we never talk about that. I've, and something that James and I have been, I've been talking back and forth is like, how do you, how do you train someone on the heart, the matters of the heart? Um, all of our, all of our coaches have just gone through um, a series called known 360. It was written by Dr. Chip Dodd, who wrote a book called voice of the heart. And it teaches you the eight um, emotions of the heart. They are hurt, sad, um, fear, loneliness, guilt, shame, um, fear, and then gladness. And each of those, there, there's eight of them. We all have them. We all experience those as human beings. Um, when we don't deal with those emotions, they always lead to impairments. Mm. They always do. And when, when we mean by don't deal with them, that means we don't identify them. Like I'm fearful. Um, okay, I'm experiencing fear right now. Um, and just identifying it. And then expressing it or exploring it and then expressing it in the confines of a, of a trustful relationship. You know, so if you're my best friend, Danny, and I'm like, man, Danny, dude, I'm feeling fear right now, man. And it's probably on a, on a five. I mean, just like, I don't know if we're going to make it in the business, blah, 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 right? And I start sharing this with you. It's, that's, it's healthy because I'm processing within you. I trust you to take it. And what comes out of that is a gift, which is wisdom and faith. Yeah. comes out of fear. 
as a gift. And each of those eight all have gifts. And then the impairment of fear, if I don't deal with that fear, guess what it does? It leads to anxiety. That's what happens. And, and if you think about like the mental health crisis right now in the United States with like 90 million people right now experiencing fear, uh, anxiety to levels where they're having to medicate. And so the question is, is like as a fitness coach on the front line, do, are we developing ourselves outside of like, we, we got to think outside the box of, okay, this is a human being, not just the, the biomechanics and the, you know, the, the kinetics and the, the, the you know, physiology and, and having all of that kind of competency. But what about their heart? Yeah. You know, what about their soul? What about their mind? What about, you know, these other, the, the, the other aspects of the human being that have to be thought about and have to be trained on to be able to maximally serve the individual. Right. Dude, I think that's, that's such where a great I, point, man. I, and yeah. what, what you bring up though, is the 5%, that makes a massive difference that most people don't want to talk about, don't want to uh, bring up and don't also associate stress, anxiety, fear with chronic pain that develops as well. And I, I see this every right. day. I saw, I just, to this day, I like just today, I should say, I saw a, a long-term client of ours. We've been dealing with chronic back pain and we know there's nothing physically wrong at this point. We've dealt with all these things still there. And in particular, uh, when, you know, she's dealing with big projects at work, she, she switched um, companies uh, not too long ago, a, a, about a month ago. I hadn't seen her since then. Comes back mm -hmm. in today, skips into my office, basically. No pain whatsoever. None. Mm -hmm. Like totally different mental state. Pain's completely gone nothing changed about what she was doing physically. What changed was she just unloaded the burden of all this stress from these projects that she had in this position that she felt overwhelmed with, with a job that she didn't really like or feel like she was um, progressing in that she didn't really know where to go next, ha got a, a different, a different um, uh, job and is in a completely different state. So if, if we make the statement that, oh, okay, pain is only physical, right? It has to be a disc problem. It has to be a, a, a hip impair, you know, impairment of some sort. It doesn't, it's it just not true. It, there are so many other factors. We're so multifactorial and messy. Half the time I had a patient break on, break down on me today. We, I gave her a hug for like 10 seconds because yeah. she's, she's emotionally just distraught about where she's at and how she feels about herself. And what people have to realize is we all feel that way. Most of us just bottle this shit up and then it shows itself in these other ways. And you don't realize yeah. that it, it can actually affect your ability to feel pain or not feel pain or yeah. to feel, you know, to actually be strong or be, or be weak or heal. Yeah. And so yeah. I think what you're saying is huge. I think it's just, I don't think it's something that a lot of coaches talk about and, and, no. or have the Society ability to talk about it. Exactly. I mean, they really don't, unless you go into a counselor's office, maybe. Yeah, but there's a stigma yeah. around that. I mean, look, I remember yeah. when I was in the army, you talk about fear and anxiety. There's so much of that within that, within that culture. And, and if you go talk to mental health, you're a, you're a pussy. Like that's like, yeah. oh, that guy's a pussy. Like, like, yeah. That's a term they used. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's exactly yeah. what you're getting called. And the only person I ever saw that broke that, I had a, there was a chaplain that was assigned to my brigade. And this guy was, had been in the uh, special forces um, group for like 10 years, 
went back to become a chaplain. And this dude would show up at PT hours, uh, like at physical training in the morning, and he would just run with everybody. He would crush everybody, basically. And then people that he would talk to, like, would not know who he was. They would just be little sidebar conversations. He would start talking to them about stuff that was going on. Eventually, they'd come see him. And that was, like, the best way for him to get soldiers to come and talk to him was, like, to actually bond with them doing physical training. And then yeah. they had respect for the fact that he'd done a lot of, like, really hard stuff in the military. So I think there's a stigma around it in general. And mental health is just as important as physical health, easily. Yeah. You know, and I think yeah. for a lot of people, they don't really realize that they go hand in hand. Yeah. I think there's a bigger conversation. Yeah. There's a conversation there. I think that we need to have, because you said it is like, you know, society's called us, you know, your term was used as pussies and that's all in the army. I get it. But that's society. I mean, that it tells you, you know, you're a man, don't cry. Don't you suck it up, pull up right. yourself by your bootstraps. Right. It's what's told. So what happens is you shut off your heart. You say, you know what? I'm not going to be wounded again. I'm not going to hurt anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to experience this pain. Uh, this loneliness, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to guard off. And so what happens is the next part of our being is our thought life. So our thoughts are designed to process our emotions. And th listen to this is, this is really, I learned this from Dr. Chip that is profound. And this is exactly how I lived most of my life because I was so wounded when I was five years old when my mom left me, I had, I had you know, uh, abandonment issues, but then everybody, you know, I couldn't talk about it because it was just, you know, don't, don't be sad. Um, and what happens is your, 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 your heart is a great place to let you know where you are. Like it's honest, it's truthful. It's where I am. They're a bad place to make a decision from. And a lot of people do that, right? Yeah. Horrible place to make a decision from. But what our thoughts are designed to do are to process that heart. And so when we shut off our heart, what our thoughts end up turning to is then, okay, well, how am I going to react based on what I think that person is thinking of me? Right? Yeah. What am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to, how am I going to function or react or behave based on what this individual is doing? And that's what we end up doing. But then, and then the next part of our being, our spirituality then becomes rituals and religion, right? We have to work our way to something, right? It, it, it's no longer relationship. I, I you know, uh, relationship with God is a completely different thing, but this is how religions are spawned. And, and then our behavior is impacted, right? And then we have our environment and then we have our physiology and it kind of, our life flows like that. And so when, when the feeling, the heart gets shut off, our thought life, we don't, we don't truly act as who we are, who we truly are. We lose, we lose our true selves. So I'm, I'm on this kind of mission, if you will, to really, open up my, from one me to understand it more, but to open up people's eyes to really understanding who they are truly made to be. Yeah. And if they could, if they really saw who they were truly made to be, it would blow them away. I think there's some quote out there, you know, the, it's like, uh, what was that greatest, you know, um, it's not coming to me right now, but it's like one of those quotes, like uh, our biggest fear is not what we you know, can't do. It's what we can do or something. Yeah. And it's true. Like there's this, like, there's this hot, there's this nobility. This is where noble clay got its name. There's this in, inherent dignity in the human being above all over, over all over other creation. There's an inherent dignity and worth. And that's why human beings control, you know, and have dominion over the world. Um, but yet there's this clay about us. There's this, this, this need, like I learned from you, Danny, you know, I've learned so much about, you know, 
understanding the body and, and, and ensuring to take a slower process to, to recovery and rehab and prehab, the need for prehab. And there's some, a lot of things that I've learned and from, um, you know, uh, um, you know, mobility wide, I mean, just following everything from mobility wise, so much I've learned. So I, I like clay, I've been formed and, and, and grown and we all are like that. Right. And that's yeah. where noble clay got its, got its name and it's, uh, it's meaning. Um, and so there's something there of like, there's much more than we, we, uh, think we know about how, how we function. And I'm Dude. on, I'm on, yeah, I'm on path to kind of help, help people that's realize that about themselves. You know, I, I just think that, uh, like that's a, this is some, this is some, uh, deep stuff. I think that hopefully, you know, people that are, uh, they're listening to this, they realize that for us in many ways, uh, people come to see you cause they probably want to, um, feel more comfortable with themselves when they don't have their clothes on or be more attracted to their spouse, you know, or, or, or be more confident and, and be able to walk up a flight of stairs without feeling like they're going to, you know, pass out. Yeah. That's a superficial goal, right? That's a superficial yeah. thing that gets them in the door. And we know somebody comes to see me cause their back hurts or their shoulder hurts. Superficial. I know the reason you're there is because there's so many other factors associated with your life that you can't do because this injury is stopping from you. And as soon as I can get rid of those symptoms, now we get to have a real conversation. Yeah. Now we get to really get to, to what you're trying to do, which, and, 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 and oftentimes it's, it's not, we're not the end all place for that. Like we need people like yourself. We need smart coaches that we then can send people off to knowing that they're going to get the right, the right thing because they've asked for help. They're in a bad place. And many times it's fleeting. This is the other thing I've noticed. It's super fleeting. Like they get the courage to work on solving something. And if you cannot capitalize on that, it's gone. And they're back to ignoring, yeah. avoiding, and still doing the same thing over and over and never break the cycle. So yeah, I hope we didn't lose anybody on this one. We're still talking about <laughs> health and wellness, but this is such an important side that yeah, people just don't even realize. And, you know, I think what you guys are doing are, are, is amazing um, for, for that. So if people are interested in um, working with you, it's, this will come out in, uh, in February. Um, if you guys still accepting clients, if so, like what's the process in which somebody um, would go through to, to, to look to do some work with Noble Clay? Yeah, no, yeah. So it's uh, really simple. Just go to nobleclayfitness.com. And there's a claim free session button right at the top. You can't miss it. Uh, it's right next to a donate now button uh, and just click the claim free session and follow the prompts and, and it'll schedule a time to, to meet with us. So cool. That's it. Yeah, highly, re highly recommended. I think what you guys are doing is, is great. Uh, especially if you're in the area. Uh, I know we know a lot of people in the Grant Park area cause that's where we live. And um, you yeah. know, for us, it's just cool to be able to, uh, have a resource in the, you know, close to where we're at that we can refer friends and family to that, that we know, you know, they need the, they need the support, they need the help. They've got goals and, and, you know, coaching is necessary to, to achieve that. So, um, yeah. dude, Ben, thank you so much for your time. This was a great talk. I really appreciate it. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you having me on, man. Absolutely. Guys, as always, thanks for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.